Welcome everybody to another episode of the Commander Sphere. My name is Anthony Gordomania, and of course I am joined by RVM Speedwagon here once again. Ryan, how's it going? It's going okay. Uh, E3 was a while ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, that uh, last episode I think was posted like a month ago as of recording. Yes. E3 was good. I got to meet up with a buddy, had a good time. Anthony got me gifts from Vegas, and it was fun. Yeah, Vegas was great. I played a lot of Commander, uh, ate a lot of really good food for not very much money because I won the credit card game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, drank a lot. A whole lot. But, you know, it, it sounded like it was a really good time. and Absolutely. So we have this weird bit of, I guess, news? Uh, turns out Ryan... Uh, can see the future. Okay, so the weirdest part about this is this is like nothing new to me. And I know how that sounds, but like I just will call dumb things and it does happen. I don't believe I'm clairvoyant or any of that crazy stuff. I just jokingly call myself a witch. Well, for those who don't know, we actually talked about it a little bit in the show notes of the last episode, but and Ryan also on very. Twitter. Yeah, Ryan correctly guessed the existence of Unstable before it was actually officially announced, so... Yep, I got the third Unset, the Cat's deck, and was it Vampires as well? Yeah, I don't remember. But definitely Unstable. You got it. Speaking of that Cat's deck and the Vampires also, C-17, Commander 2017, was actually just released last week as of this recording, and... It's all tribal-themed, which is pretty interesting. The four tribes being five-color dragons, Mardu vampires, Grixis wizards, and green-white cats. We actually had a release leak at our local game store, which Ryan actually attended. Why don't you talk about your experience uh, there? I played three games at the league, ended up getting second place overall, which got me a free product. Nice. I purchased the vampire and the cat deck. And had a blast playing both of them. The cat deck with the, like, if you actually have cats in your hand, is very aggressive very quick. And caused really funny problems. The vampire deck was a little longer game, and I just played Egger the moment I wanted to switch gears and start killing people. Yeah. And it did. Yeah, it seems pretty good at that. I mean, yeah, it was pretty okay your about whole that. Team. Um, I ended up getting the wizard deck for free. Nice. Because there was no way I'm playing five-color dragons ever. Did you play Dragons at all? Uh, I did. I borrowed it from a buddy who had it sleeved up, and that felt pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, the only deck I didn't play was the Wizard deck, and I played against it a bunch, and it's they're all very well balanced against each other. Yeah, Wizards has done a pretty good job at making a bunch of decks every year that are all balanced against each other, which is great, because that's how a lot of people get into playing the format, is by buying those decks and then playing against their friend who also bought a deck. Um, personally, I have only played the Dragon deck. I only got to get in one game. I wasn't able to actually go to the release league, but uh, earlier this week, I happened to just I, uh, play a game with it when I bought the decks, uh, and it was powerful. I, maybe it was just the hand that I had. Part of it was the power level of the cards, and it's probably a, a mix of both. But I got at this turn where I had Ramos in play, and I was able to play a Dragon Speaker Shaman, 
and then just played my commander, put five counters on the Ramos, removed it, made ten mana, played, like, three other dragons and a dragon tempest, <laughs> attacked with all my dragons, dumped another dragon into play, dealt a bunch of damage. Uh, it was crazy. Like, the only reason I didn't kill somebody that turn is because I chose not to, but I totally could have taken somebody out of the game, but I wanted to keep the game going because I yeah. wanted to see more of what the deck had, but it felt really, really good. The Ur-Dragon was really awesome. Yeah. I really like him, not necessarily in play, but just kind of as a cost reduction, statically. Yeah. I think you could do a really neat deck around that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think all of the the new... The new Eminence commanders are good. Just good. There isn't a whole lot to say other than free effects that you don't have to pay literally anything for. They're just static, always happening. It's just a really powerful yeah. thing to have access to. Uh, and with that, let's actually get into the decks a little bit. Let's start talking about these new cards. So uh, first, I want to talk about um, Cats and... I was super skeptical on cats, and in a way, I guess my fears were sort of confirmed in that there's really only one really good way to build cat tribal if you really want it to be tribal, because most of the good cats are actually already in the deck. Yeah, the deck is just solid, and also yeah. chock full of legendary cats. Yeah, the deck is actually, I think... Out of all of them, probably the best out of the box, because I think it's the closest to what its optimal build would be. I mean, there's still work that has to be done on it, but less so than the other ones. Um, but it's pretty interesting. So it's it's green-white, and it has this equipment theme to it, which is quite good, actually. Yeah, it's very solid, because uh, one of the secondary commanders, Nizan... Yeah. Uh, has a second line of text that people always forgot about in my games. So whenever I had him in play in multiple equipments, I would attack someone, tap their entire team down, because it triggers for each creature that has an equipment on it. Yeah, let's actually let's read that card. So Nazan, Revered Bladesmith, is a legendary creature. He's four green-white for a 5-4 cat artificer. And when he enters the battlefield, you search your library for an equipment and put in your hand. But if you find a card named Hammer of Nazan then you actually put that card into play instead and attach it to Nizan, if I remember right. Or... Uh, it, the hammer comes into play, and the hammer attaches itself to Nizan. Oh, okay, so that's the ability the of hammer the hammer. Wow, when, that's... when the hammer comes into play, you can attach it to any creature. That's really good. Actually, yeah, let's read the hammer, just because it seems like they, they kind of go together. So Hammer Nizan is a four-mana equipment. It's a legendary equipment, and uh, when it or another equipment enters the battlefield under your control, you may attach the equipment to a creature you control, which is very powerful. That's crazy. Uh, and it gives the equipped creature plus two, plus zero, and indestructible, which is fantastic. Yes. Uh, and it equips four, equips for four, which is a lot of mana, but that's But it's fine. free the first time, and hopefully you never have to do it again. Right, because you're... It's making something indestructible. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's a very powerful effect. Yeah, that that's our really buddy good. Built on as a commander and like without doing a whole much work, whole much. Yeah, go me. I'm not an English major. <laughs> without doing a whole lot of work to it, was able to make a very solid art, like just good equipment deck. It was. He didn't. He played. He like the turn he could play Nizan. He played Nizan. Got the hammer and then like it got exiled. Tutors like he just played Nizan again. Yeah. Like it just go it, it tutors up good things. 
Like he got a he got a sword that gave him protection from everybody in play. And like, yeah. At the end of the day, it's basically a Stoneforge Mystic that you can play as your commander, which is really good. Um, and what's interesting about this, because this is not the first time that they've done equipment as a theme for one of these commander decks in the Commander fourteen decks, the monocolor ones. The mono white one was Nahiri, which was a equipment theme, and it was not executed nearly as well as this. This one's actually a pretty functional equipment deck. Uh, I think in large part because of Nizan. Yeah, for sure. It's got a couple of new cards that are pretty solid as well. Alms Collector costs three and a white for a three four with flash. If an opponent would draw two or more cards, instead you and that player each draw one card. So it's like awesome, awesome hate against every blue deck ever is what you're saying. Yes. Nice. And uh, it's it's just solid. Like yeah. I feel so like I, I've noticed know. a pattern in the last couple of commanders. There's always been like a white creature with flash that does a good thing. Yeah. I I'm. The last. I can one think was, of one other one. The last one was the one that prevented damaging our counters on itself. Right. And the one before that was uh, containment priest. Yeah, so so far there's been three. Yeah. They're and they're all they're really all good. good. Yeah. This one I feel like the dream is getting somebody who has like a Jace the Mind Sculptor in play. Like they play Jace and like, alright, brainstorm like response. Flash and alms collector. We'll each draw a card and then you put two cards back on top <laughs> of your library. That seems really good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, while that seems really good, I just kind of want to dream crush someone's stroke of genius. Yeah, because it's not that they split the amount of cards and you get half and they get half, or like they get to draw cards but you also get a card. It is we each get one, no matter how much money, mana you spent on your spell. Like Blue Sun Zenith myself for 10, mm-hmm. you get one card and I get a card. Thank you for spending 13 mana. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I feel like that is infinitely more feel-bad, and uh, I appreciate it. It seems just really good. I'm going and... to get got by this card, because I always get got by cards. And, uh, yeah, it'll feel real bad, and I'll be really happy and probably laugh. So, interestingly enough, I don't think I would get got, get got by this card. That's a weird thing Have to say. Have been gotten? I don't think I'll be hit by this card very much because a lot of the decks that i have don't actually draw cards in large batches like it's not like draw two cards it's draw a card then i'm repeating that process a bunch of times so because i'm only drawing one card at a time this would never trigger um right it's not a trigger it's a replacement effect but you know what i mean uh yeah so i really like are are there any other cards that you explicitly want to talk about in this deck uh, yeah, actually, there's one really, really good one, or at least I think it's really good. Uh, and it's actually the other alternate commander. It's Miri Weatherlight Duelist. Um, it's one green-white for a 3-2 first striker. And whenever uh, Miri attacks, each opponent can only block with one creature. And as long as she is tapped, you can't be attacked by more than one creature. Which is re ridiculous yeah it's uh very similar to a card that i like which is silent arbiter which is a one five for art- artifact creature i don't know its cost it's just four it's, it's just, just four? cost four generic oh it's just four generic okay yeah i know i knew it was a one five which is good yeah uh the body is fine given what its ability is and for that mana cost it's pretty it good blocks for days right but i like it because it it forces very weird attacks 
Mm-hmm. What's crazy about Miri, though, is that unlike Silent Arbiter, it's not symmetrical, it's asymmetrical. It only affects your opponents. So you can attack with as many creatures as you want, and you can block with as many creatures as you want. But your opponents only get one, which is crazy. It's like having an overrun constantly in play, because they just never can block. Oh yeah, it's really solid. I think this card is absolutely ridiculous, especially if it's only three mana. It's only three mana, and it has first strike, so it's good in the situations that its own ability creates. And it like it doesn't require you to build any certain way. It just wants you to attack. play creatures and attack. That's it. It doesn't tell you like you don't have to go super wide. You can go all in on one creature and just make your Miri huge if you want to make her, her your commander and go like super Voltron, give her trample. But you can do that, and it would be really good. But you can also go super wide with creatures and just swarm your opponent. It's really insane in any green or white mirror because a lot of those mirrors are about building up a huge ground force and then board stall, and then you try to figure out a way to get past your opponent's creatures, usually being Crater Hoof. Not only does this let you start doing it immediately, but also trumps your opponent's Crater Hoof. Oh, for sure. Because if your opponent plays Crater Hoof, they only get to attack with one creature. Yeah. So usually, unless their Crater Hoof is becoming a 40-40, it doesn't matter. Like, I go mean, ahead, play it. I'm, he's been bigger before. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard. It's yeah. not easy to get him up no, to those no. numbers. And, like, the game, as long as Miri is doing its thing, the game won't last that long. No. I really like Miri as well. Also, it's just good to see more of the weather light. Oh, yeah. Weirdly enough, this is the third Miri. There's two yeah. other Miri's. Very strange. Uh, other than that, in this deck, I mean, there's cool. There's a bunch cat of cat tribal stuff, stuff that got printed. I really like Kazali Slingers specifically. If we're talking about cat tribal stuff, it's four and a green for a three five with reach. And whenever it or another cat enters the battlefield under your control, you naturalize, which is yeah, really good. Like that's a ton of value over time. It's basically a her- uh, harmonic sliver. Yes. For cats? For cats. And it's on a much better body, like a 3-5 with reach is not bad. It has a bunch of other just value cats. Like, I don't think we're going to go super heavy into talking about the decks individually, um, because there's just a lot to cover, but yeah. These decks are very solid. <coughs> it's got, um, it's a really, really insane green card if you're playing any sort of tribal strategy. It's actually part of a cycle called the Kindred Cycle. And this one's called Kindred Summons. It's actually five green green for an instant. You choose a creature type, then you reveal cards from the top of your library until you hit X creatures of the chosen type, where X is the number of creatures you control of that type. So, like, let's say you're playing elves, right? And you have, like, five elves in play, which is a pretty reasonable board state, nothing crazy. Cast Kindred Summons. You just flip cards from the top of your deck until you hit five more elves and put them all into play. That's really good. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. And it's an instant. Yeah. It... I did not realize it was an instant until, like, the third time I read the card, because it just doesn't... It doesn't seem like... No, that's not an effect green gets at instant speed. That's not an effect just, like, anybody gets at instant speed. It's kind of crazy. It's really, really, really good. Uh, Also, note, it has an Amorari's Wake reprint. That card's not expensive anymore, but it's good. It's really, really, really good, and if you're playing green-white, you want it. It also has a Sword of the Animist... Which is just a good reprint? Yes, a very good reprint. um, Because I'm pretty sure this is the first time it's ever been reprinted. No, it was in the... 
Oh, was it in? It was in Arch Enemy, right? Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, but we also talked about cultivate being in there. Yeah, which this has three cultivates and a far seek, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's got a bunch of ramp, which is sort of weird given what it's the got, deck is. Yeah, but yeah, it's got cultivate and Kodama's Reach and this is Pilgrimage, so all three of the three mana cultivate effects. It's got them all, which is sweet. It's it's got good lands in it too. Yeah, uh, like all specifically, the decks are it's good. got myriad landscape. Which uh, there hasn't been a lot of before now. I think it was only There's printed only the, the one printed. time. And then it also has Crows and Verge, which is the card that Mirror Landscape is based off of. Which that card is just great. It's Mirror Landscape, except instead of tutoring for two basics of the same type, it tutors for a Plains card and a Forest card. Yes. Which Old is text types. insane. Yeah. So moving on to the Vampire deck. Like we said before, it's Mardu colored. And it's headed by Edgar Markov, which this is actually the first time that this character has ever been on Printed a card. at all. Tons of people are super excited about that, and I totally get it. He's a really cool character from the magic lore. Uh, he's three in Mardu for a 4-4 four, four with first strike in haste. And he has uh, an eminence ability, which one commander from each deck actually has. And it's this new ability. It's basically the keywording of Oloro. Where as long as it's in your command zone or in play, it does something. His is that whenever you cast a vampire spell, you get a 1-1 vampire. That ability is really, really good. It seems kind of innocuous, but having played against somebody actually playing like a tuned version of a vampire deck with Edgar, it gets out of hand like really, really quickly. Like uh, There's captivating vampires in this deck. And it's insane with Captivating Vampire, because one of the things that held that card back was it was hard to build up five vampires to tap. But you only have to cast, like, three guys. Yeah. It's super easy. It's, like, super, super easy. You actually only have to cast, what, two other yes. creatures and then the Captivating Vampire, and you have enough creatures to tap immediately, which is just nuts. And then he has another ability, which is that whenever he attacks, you put a plus one, plus one counter on each vampire control. So he swings for five the turn he comes down if you attack with him. Yeah, he is a six mana, five, five, first strike haste if you have nothing else. Which is just solid. Yeah, that's just really good. And he keeps growing. And then also on top of that, he has that eminence ability, which is just crazy, and builds a huge army for you to buff with his ability. He's actually very, very good. Oh, he is the vampire commander yeah what's kind of neat about this is that this actually gives vampires a real lord because before this there really wasn't a default vampire commander if you wanted to do like tribal stuff because none of the legendary creatures cared that much about whether or not your creatures were vampires there was like anawan the ruin sage but and olivia voldaren but if you're playing an olivia deck you're just stealing stuff. With right, you don't care about your own creatures being vampires. You just want to turn other people's things into vampires. And Anawan only cared as far as not making you sacrifice your own creatures. But also he was mono-black, so it cut you out of the red vampires and the white ones. Edgar is in all three colors that you want, for the most part. There are some blue vampires from Grixis, but they are whatever. It's in the three colors that you really want, and he's a true like tribal lord which is something that vampires Anthony, never had can we not call him a lord can we call him the vampire progenitor <coughs> <coughs> yeah made that joke don't care well 
I, I was sitting on that one for a little while, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> deep, deep cuts? Like, deep cuts. The deepest cuts. Cannot get any deeper on these cuts. No. So there are actually a number of pretty cool new cards in the Vampire deck specifically. Uh, so let's just start out with the other alternate commanders. Lycia Sanguine Tribune, which might be, I think, the best Mardu commander for just like a value deck. Oh, for sure. As just a value commander, I've play- like I had her in her in play. She's real good. If you gain any kind of life, well, let me explain what she does. She's five in Mardu for a four-four. That costs one let one generic less for each one life you gain this turn. Uh, she has first strike and life link, and you can pay five life for three plus one one counters to put on. You can only do this on your turn and only once per turn. So, you player, you put the counters on, you lose the five life, whatever. If you gain five life that turn, you started at where you were, and she just cost Mardu, and now you have a seven seven. A 7-7 seven, seven First Strike Lifelinker. Which it is gets really ridiculous. gross really quick. Yeah. So not only does it like Voltron itself out, but even if you're not doing that, the life gain is insane in Mardu. I play a ton of Mardu, actually. One of my favorite decks to play right now is actually my Queen Marchesa deck. And I think the last time that I played it, by like turn 5, I had spent almost half of my life total I wasn't getting hit or anything. I was paying it to effects. Your life is a resource. As long as it's not zero, don't care. Yeah, and Mardu, out of all the color combinations, loves to use it. And aggressively. Lycia is a great way to gain all that life back to keep paying those costs. A lot of the costs that you're paying are recurring for like Frexenaria style effects. And this just gains all the life back in huge chunks. And it's a huge threat. It's basically the Abyss. Basically. Very solid. Just very... There's not much to be said outside of, look at this great creature. Isn't it so good? Isn't it neat? It really is, though. I really do think this is... It's by and far my favorite generic Mardu commander. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's basically this and Queen Marchesa are both really good. And if I'm talking about which one's just better, it's probably this one. Yeah, because you don't have to build around her to do much crazy right like even even if you're not getting the full discount and you're only getting like a couple mana off this body's still yeah. really good its abilities are still yeah. great it's you can still also make it cost less through the commander tax because it's because commander tax is generic yeah you can actually keep making it cost just mardu if you're able to just gain a bunch of life it's like that's Turns crazy out cost reduction effects on commanders have always and will continue to be good. Correct. Uh, the other alternate commander for this deck is Mathis Fiendseeker, and I love the flavor on this card. It is fantastic. It's so good, and also it's got all the right costs. I just really like this card from a design perspective. Uh, it's Mardu, just Mardu, for a 3-3 with Menace. And at the beginning of your end step, you put a bounty counter on another creature that an opponent controls. And for as long as that creature has a bounty counter on it, it has, when this creature dies, each opponent draws a card and gains two life. So the whole idea of the card is that while you have it in play, you're encouraging people to kill specific creatures. And 
It does a whole lot of interesting things. One, it encourages more interaction, which I love. I love interactive games. Two, it allows you to try and direct people's attention to specific targets. So you're like, that one's going to be really threatening to me soon. I'm going to put a bounty counter on it now, and hopefully somebody's going to try and draw those cards. So like, it gets people's focus in the right direction. I, I love this card. And for only three mana, which is exactly the cost that it should be, it's perfect. So, Anthony, why do you think I like this card? I don't know. Why are you into this one, man? Uh, I'm super into this card because I love how it interacts with combat. It's very political and forces people to attack. Right. If you put a bounty counter on that creature, they know it's eventually going to die. So when this was played against me, they put it on one of my creatures. Like, okay, just attack with it, whatever. It, It forces people to play politically, and you can also use it on different people. So at one point, there was a game I had where at least one person, not myself, everyone but me had bounty counters yeah. on something. And it was really fun because they were like conniving with each other. It was the sad robot, sad robot trade-off thing. Yeah, it's like if you attack me with your bounty counter guy, I'll block with mine and we'll both draw two cards and gain two life. Or, or is it draw one card? Draw one card and gain sure. two life. And it's just... It brought up the best of players that I loved, which was smiling and laughing and saying, oh, this is the dumbest thing ever, let's do it. Yeah, it's like people, it adds this layer to the game, this like little sub-game that's like not so big that it takes over what's happening, but it's just impactful enough to where it's interesting and uh, does play a role. I think with the combat thing, what's kind of neat with it is that it encourages combat because one of the strategies you do to try and get the bounty counter to like be resolved is you just start attacking the person who has all the bounty counter creatures because they're like, I'm going to force them to have to block. I'm just going to keep coming at them until they have to block. Yeah. So yeah, also, I mean, he has menace, which is a good ability Yeah. Just on a three, three. Yeah. Three mana, three, three menace is just like pretty good. He's evasive. So you can start attacking with him, which you want on a body that aggressive. Like you want to be able to just start attacking. Yeah. I, I think this card could not be designed better. I really, really enjoy this card. Yeah. Flavor-wise, just all the numbers are right. I think this card, from a design perspective, is perfect. It could. It's perfect. So this deck does have... Okay, I'm just going to say... This deck has the most powerful card I've seen printed in Commander, period. I think you're talking about Teferi's Protection? I am. That card is bananas. And... It definitely, from the surface, seems to be one of the best cards ever printed in a commander set. It's going to take time to see exactly how impactful it is, but it seems stupid. I had a buddy use this against me when I was going to kill him as the last person, saved himself, untapped, wrathed the board. I mean, I was I was playing Rurikthar and way ahead. He could not have won, trust me. But still, like he gave himself a chance. And... This is the kind of life-saving card I like as opposed to Cyclonic Rift because this is this will be used to save yourself specifically. It can never be used to hose other people. Right. So Teferi's Protection is two and a white for an instant. It says, until your next turn, your life total can't change and you have protection from everything. All permanents you control phase out. They also changed how phasing works. 
So that tokens now phase back in. Yep. Yeah, so now phasing won't get rid of your tokens if you're playing a token strategy. So everything comes back. So it totally preserves your board state. It preserves your life total. Uh, and you gives you protection, which is crazy. Insane. Like, literally nothing can kill you uh, at this point unless you have, like, no cards in your library and somebody plays a card that makes everybody draw cards. Yes. Because it can't target you with something. It has to be a symmetrical effect, and you have to already have had, like, no cards in your library because it can't really mill you asymmetric or so yeah asymmetrically because they can't target you yep it's absolutely good and this deck also had one of my favorite spells i've ever seen yeah. printed oh oh before you panic also about teferi's protection it exiles itself yeah it's important to mention actually <laughs> because if it didn't it would be actually broken this deck also has another card i'm super excited about new blood yeah new blood is one of the more interesting vampire tribal things New Blood is two black black for a sorcery. As an additional cost, tap a vampire you control. Gain control of target creature. Change all instances of one creature type to vampire that appear on the card. It is now a vampire. This one's really, really interesting. On the surface, it's just good. It's mind control. Um, Without anything that can be targeted, it's just... You take. Right, there's no, there's no like enchantment that they can get rid of to get their thing back. It's just yours now. But... Changing all of the creature Instances type things, creature to yeah. vampire, make it really, really good in really subtle ways. Like you wouldn't expect it to be that good. It just seems like a little flavor thing. But there's a bunch of things that make tokens and stuff like that that suddenly start making vampires. Take, take for example, Hanger Backwalker. Yeah. Or for example, what I saw happen, Asami. Tap a vampire, draw card. Oh yeah, that's crazy. That's really good. I also saw someone steal the five-color legend, that the Eminence legend, for dragons. Oh, yeah, the Ur-Dragon. So it makes all your vampires cost one less. And it also... And whenever, whenever your vampires, vampires attack, you draw ah, a card. Ah, that's insane. And then put your vampire from your hand into play. That's so good. This card is deceptively super powerful. Yeah, if, if you are playing vampires, it's insanely good. That it has the vampire claws is the only thing that's keeping this card in check, really. Yes. Uh... Because otherwise, it's crazy. If someone's getting cheeky and playing the druid that's like, tap druid, steal all lands, somebody controls. Oh you punish God. them super yeah, hard. Yeah, listen, they deserve it. They're trying to steal everybody's lands. Just uh, get them. It's a great card. Yeah, it's really good. That's really, really sweet. Uh, weirdly enough, in this deck, they actually built in a two-card combo, which actually Ryan pointed out to me earlier. And... It's, they're not new cards, it's just they put them in the deck. I don't know what it is about them and putting combos in the pre-cons. Uh, but this one is Sanguine Bond, which you're probably familiar with from the Exquisite Blood Sanguine Bond combo. And the other one being Blood Tribute, which is this vampire tribal card, which has been around. It's from Zendikar block. And its target opponent loses half of his or her life rounded up. But it also has a kicker cost of tap and untap vampire control. And if you do that you gain that much life. So you have them lose half of their life, round it up, you gain that much life, Sanguine Bond triggers, you deal that much damage back to them, you just kill somebody. Yeah. Uh, why? Why Why you do this? Why you do this, Wizards of the Coast? Hey, man, sometimes people just need to not be in the game anymore. Yeah, in your pre-con, though? <laughs> yeah, I feel like yeah, everybody's yeah, decks yeah. are already kind of crappy. Don't worry about it, it's fine. 
I'm pretty sure you can just play your vampires and you'll win the game through aggro <laughs> in, in this pre-cod deck. I won a game through, like, four curses with this deck. Uh, this deck actually has another, like, insane card in it that's new that I actually really want to draw attention to. And it's called Patron of the Vein. Uh, it's four black-black for a 4-4 four, four flyer. When it is the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. And whenever a creature opponent controls dies, exile it and put a plus one plus one counter on each vampire you control. So in the like worst case scenario where you actually do get to use his ability, he's a 5-5 five, five flyer that exiles a creature when it comes into play for six mana. That's like the worst it gets as long as his ability triggers. So what is the downside? Uh, exactly. A uh, uh, what now? Yeah. Yeah. So it is. It is a flying graveyard hate creature that progressively gets bigger, and when it comes into play, you exile a creature. It's crazy. This card is ridiculous. Uh, it does not need to be in a vampire deck. You can ignore the each part of each vampire you control because if it just grows itself, it's totally fine. This card. Is just insane in like basically any black deck that's not trying to reanimate stuff out of your opponent's graveyard. It's it's great. It is a huge flying creature and a removal spell and leyline of the void, all wrapped into one. Crazy. This card's great. It's honestly probably one of the better cards in the entire. Set. Oh yeah, for sure. As a standalone, like pick it up as a standalone. Like it's that good. Yeah. Oh yeah. I. Would put that in basically any deck. I actually might put it into Kothavad because it's very interestingly worded to where the creatures still die. If they die, then get exiled. Yes. It's not if it would die, it's when they die, exile them. Which means Kothavad still triggers. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I think think I'm going to be putting that one in Kothavad. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, It's a reprint of Crackling Doom, which is just a good card. Crackling Doom is really good. Yeah. It's just hard to play because it was in Mardu. Yeah. Mardu, I feel like, is still just super underplayed as a color combination, which is a shame because they printed good commanders for it. But now people are kind of starting to get into it, and I think this deck's going to bring a lot of people into that color combination. Crackling Doom's like really, really crazy in multiplayer. It cards scale super well because it's each opponent sacrifices and takes damage. For three mana, it's just crazy good next up is the dragon deck which is i don't know i don't know how i feel about it it's a solid dragon deck yeah there's like some really cool reprints in it too like uh it has utfara hellkite in it yeah which, which is great because that's yeah hasn't been printed since ravnica Return yeah ravnica. yeah and it, it was a mythic then that card is crazy good in any dragon deck that can play it um, it's just good in it's not red decks. Nearly required, honestly, in any red dragon deck. Because it's just that good. It's that big of a payoff that you want it. Uh, one of the things about this deck, as far as the reprint stuff, it has almost all of the Tarkir rare dragons, rare legends, not the mythic ones. And that is a little bit of a bummer to me, because I actually wished they were the Dragonlord versions. Now, granted... The rare versions are the better ones for Dragon Tribal. I 100% get why they'd be there. I just really want more copies of the Tarkir Dragon Lords. I think they're all really good. 
uh, for the most part, like more copies of Silumgar. That card's crazy. Silumgar, Dramoka's really good. I would just like to see those. But it does have the non-mythic versions, which are better for Dragon Tribal. Uh, the leader of this deck is the Ur-Dragon, who's... Which we finally get to see after having his Scion around forever. Yeah, and for those who don't know the lore, the Ur-Dragon is actually the the progenitor of all dragons. All dragons are descendants of the Ur-Dragon. And, like, the description, there's actually, like, a insert that comes with the deck, and I just, like, kind of speed-read through the description of the Ur-Dragon... His wings stretch across time, is very literally what it says. He's a multiplanar being. He exists in multiple planes all at once. Well, yeah, but just his wings, though. <laughs> his wings stretch across time. His like he's a. That's the most like '80s metal lyric I've right, ever heard. Right, it's so heard. crazy. I love his it. His wings stretch across time. <laughs> oh man, that's just so good. Like. That's like the edgiest. That's an edgy thing I haven't heard yet. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, coming up with new edgelord stuff. <laughs> Yo, Way dog. to go, wizard. Yo, dog. I'm an edgelord. I'm not gonna deny it. So the Ur Dragon is four in Wooberg, and his eminence ability is that as long as he's in your command zone or in play, all of your dragons cost one less to cast. Your other dragons. He doesn't reduce his own cost. Uh, he has flying, as you would expect of a dragon. Because what dragon doesn't fly? Even the ones that don't natively can get Even flying. the ones that don't have flying aren't even dragons. They're worms, technically. What? what? No, they yeah. still have arms yeah. and legs, my man. Yeah. <laughs> that would just make them lizards. Yeah, that's just like lore, though. Um, dragons that lose wings become worms. It's a 10-10 it's a flyer. Oh, you mean worm with a Y. Yeah. I'm it's sorry. like, why, why are you talking about worms, no, like, dog, in the like, ground worms? I mean, there's, I guess, sort of... No, Anthony, they become graboids from Tremors. <laughs> Listen, there are worms <laughs> in magic. There's tons of them. Yeah. There's really good ones. Yeah, worms, as in the things that dragons become when they lose wings. I meant, like, worms like graboids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to the air dragon. The air dragon's four in Wooberg for a 10-10 flyer with that eminence ability that I already described and it has this secondary line of text as an ability that's like really really insane it's whenever one or more dragons you control attacks draw that many cards and put a permanent from your hand into play and it's a permanent not necessarily a dragon yeah any permanent you're just like eh, free spider vishaw blow that thing up free ugin it's had to thematic. One had to one-up me. Hey, it's thematic. It's a dragon, right? Yeah. Uh, but even if you, like, let's say you just draw a bunch of air, you can still just put a land into play. It still just ramps you. Like, it does so much. The turn you play it, like, the fact that it doesn't itself have to be attacking, you can play it and then immediately get value off of it. It as doesn't long as you have to attack. Its wings stretch across time. Yeah, it's already attacked. And, and uh, will continue to attack. It has always been attacking. That's oh, the dumbest. It's kind of dumb. <laughs> but it's sweet. <laughs> In the same At the same time, I kind of love that. Oh, yeah. I think it's kind of awesome. Uh, one of the backup commanders is Okagachi Vengeful Kami. And this is also the first time that this has been printed as a card. It was a huge story element from the Kamigawa block. This was the... From uh, that which was taken. Yeah, this was the um, main guardian deity 
of the spirit world of Kamigawa. And its its abilities are interesting and thematic. I don't know how much I like it. I, I, like, I'm not sure how much I'd want to play it over a different dragon. This you don't really build as a dragon tribal commander. You just but build it because you want to play a five-color deck. Yeah, I think of those, it's one of the better just like generic five-color commanders if you just want to build five-color as a deck. But uh, it's one in Wooburg for a 6-6 six, six Flying Trampler, which is really good stats. It's just a really, really well-statted creature. And its ability is that when it deals combat damage to a player, if that player do- attacked you during his or her last turn, exile target non-land permanent that player controls. So it's got a little political thing going on. It's a really big body that wants is, to attack. It is vengeful. Yeah, it's evasive. It's it's honestly, like it's a good card, and its abilities make sense. I'm just not sure how much I'd really want to build it. Mostly because I don't really build five color. And like it's not tribal like dragons, so you can it could have literally like any creature typing, it wouldn't matter. Um You wanna tell us about that other new dragon? Okay, so the, the Clockwork Colossus Dragon. So the other alternate commander is Ramos Dragon Engine. It's six mana for a four four flyer. And whenever you cast a spell, put a plus one, plus one counter on Ramos Dragon Engine for each of that spell's colors. Then you can remove five counters from Ramos to add double Wooburg to your mana pool. You can only activate this ability once per turn. It should also be mentioned that this is an artifact and its cost is generic, so it's super easy to cast. Um, I've, I've played with this card. I've had it in play. It is as busted as it sounds. It is completely, 100%, utterly broken. Um, you spend five mana if you cast your command, or like if you cast a five card spell, you pay five mana to make ten mana, and you're getting the permanents you made out of it, and you get to cast all the spells that put more counters on your Ramos. Um, he's ridiculous, absolutely, 100% ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand how this is a card. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I got nothing to add to that one. Yeah, I just, it it does way too much. Like, this has to die before you ever untap. Oh, Otherwise, your opponents are going to lose the game. Like, they have to kill it that turn. Otherwise, like, you're going to get way, way too much advantage out of this card. There's also a new legendary creature in this deck? Yeah, it's not an alternate commander because it's not five color, but it is a new legend. The man, the legend, Tygum, yeah. Ojitai Master. A lot of people were like really shocked that they didn't make a Tygum legend in Tarkir block because he was like a really important part of the story and there's tons of cards that had his name on it. He's sort of like Ludwig in that way. Yeah. So everyone can now shut up because now they have two Tygums. There's a different one. We'll talk about him later. Yeah. So Tygum Ojitai Master, why don't you tell us about this one? So Tygum Ojitai Master costs two white-blue. A legendary creature, Human Monk, he is a 3-4. Instant, sorcery, and dragon spells you control cannot be countered by spells or abilities. Also, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, if Tygum Ojitai Master attack this turn, that spell gains rebound. Every single spell. Every single instant or sorcery. Yeah. I'm referring to spells in, I I guess, like the the Hearthstone way. Yeah. But, uh... I'm seeing a lot of people complain online that the dragon text feels really forced, and I disagree with that. That's super on theme for where he's from. Right. Uh, it makes a lot of sense 
because he's trained with Ojutai, so that's like part of what the Ojutai brew is all about. Is about like being really sneaky in the sense of like they try to like they bide their time and they stay out of the way, and then it's a few fluid movements which take something. So like it makes sense that they would be uncounterable. Yeah. The thing that you want to happen will happen. Right. His ability in terms of like the second line there about rebound is interesting. It's really good. Like it's obviously like a ton of value. It's just really interesting because it also wants you a two attack. So there's this weird deck building puzzle of what you're supposed to really do with Tigum. Like do you Voltron people to death or are you trying to just get value? In which case, how are you getting through with Tigum and not having him die? I mean, he's a 3-4, which is not the most stable body. He doesn't have any evasion natively. It's an interesting one. It's definitely odd. Uh, but it's powerful if you can figure it out, because giving all of your instants and sorceries rebound is a lot, and uncounterability is nothing to sneeze at. So you can get the, you can get the next new legend. Sure. Uh, the next one, is it because it's harder to say? Is that what this is about? Oh no. Okay, so the next one is the next the next legend. Again, it's not an alternate commander because it's not Wuberg. It's Wasitora Nekoru Nekoru Wasitora Nekoru Queen two and Jund for a five four flying trampling cat dragon. Yeah, it's a cat dragon. Yeah, it's a cat dragon. Whenever Wasitora deals combat damage to a player, that player sacrifices a creature. If the player can't, you create a 3-3 black, red, and green cat dragon creature token with flying. If you have not seen the tokens, oh my god, they are so cute. I would raise a cat dragon, and I'm like kind of super allergic to cats. I don't know if I'd raise one if it turns into that. Yeah, I would raise it if it turns into that. Right, it's gonna right kill it you though, man. Right at work, get a special dragon it cat will whistle. Definitely kill you. Whatever. Worth. It's really, I don't know. It's well statted, which I feel like I say a lot about these cards, but it is. It is a well statted card. Five mana for a five four flying trampler is good. Its ability is good in like a heads up environment where you are. Attacking the same player over and over and forcing them to sacrifice a creature every turn, or else you start making more creatures. But in a multiplayer setting, I don't know. It just seems a little strange. It doesn't scale very well to multiplayer, that's for like, sure. Like, it's still good. It's still really good. Like, those abilities are still awesome. It's just not, it's not exciting in the same way that other legendary dragons are. Like, in my mind, this most closely resembles the Rith the Awakener cycle. Oh, yeah. And those all do something really exciting for the mana that you're putting into it. Wasitora doesn't ask you to pay any mana, but what it's doing is just less exciting. It's powerful, it's just not... It's not that interesting, I guess. I like it. It's cool. It's just not great in that way. It doesn't touch all those same Areas, spots. Yeah. yeah. Another thing to note is that in recurring theme, bunch of legendary dragons in the deck. Yeah, and like I said before, they printed like most of the rare what are they? Fate Reforged dragons? Yeah, the rare legendary Fate Reforged dragons. Ataka World Runder, Dramoka the Eternal, uh in it Kolagon the Storm's Fury. Ojitai. And Ojitai. Is it, there actually it, any it, that they left out? No. Yeah, it's them. just all of them. Oh wait, it's his uh Yep. He's in there. Songar. Songar, there he is, yeah. Skull, so yeah, they Skull, just printed Skull, all of them. Songar the Tokyo Drift is in there. 
<laughs> I like that. Well, Tokyo Drift you Cylinder. You can thank Alex for that one. Oh, boy. The Tokyo Drifting Death. Yeah, so, like, it's got all those, plus it's got a ton of other legendary dragons. Bladewing, the Risen, yep. being one of them. Uh, not, like, a rare or expensive card, but I love Bladewing. I think this card's awesome, and I've always kind of wanted to build a commander deck around it. If I ever do end up building Dragon Tribal, honestly, it'll probably be Bladewing. That's pretty good. This deck also has one of my favorite just Tamir Legends, just excluding the fact that it is a dragon, is Intent the Dreamer. It's I always really like that card. Intent's realistically the less busted of, like, in the original commander stuff. Sure, out She's of the original. the least busted, and that's saying yeah. you pay Divination, you do a free spell. Yeah, you pay two and a blue, and you get a free random thing off the top of your deck, which is really, really good. But when you compare that to Riku and Animar, Animar it's just like... It's lackluster. You can get one free spell, that's cool, let me get all of these free spells with these other commanders. But even then, it's still a six mana 6x six, six fire that gives you free spells. Uh, I have, I actually had an intent, a dreamer deck around for a while, and it was really good, like really, really good. I think it. I agree. It's it's really good, and part of why I liked it is because it was less busted than the other ones. Like I could play a teamer deck and not feel like I was just totally breaking the game. Yeah. Uh, anything else in this deck that you specifically want to bring up, Anthony? Uh, it has one of like the most interesting wrath effects that I think I've ever seen which is uh, in the card Fortunate Few. It's three white-white for a sorcery. Choose a non-land permanent you don't control, then each other player chooses a non-land permanent he or she doesn't control that has not already been chosen, and you destroy all the other non-land permanents. I had possibly the best interaction with this card that could have ever happened. I was crushing face with the vampire deck, and the dragon's player casted this card. I had a Blind Obedience in play, and a Butcher of Malakir, and a bunch of tokens bunch of tokens so the one guy goes okay keep your blind obedience and the next guy goes yeah you can have this token third guy goes butcher of malakir oh. and i was like are you sure you want to do that buddy he goes yeah whatever i was like you can keep that flare of the hate bound get rid of everything else you got friend butcher malakir trigger sex, sex, flare sex. trigger are you sure you want me to have the butcher <laughs> Yeah, man, you got it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just listen please, to my advice. Please kill it. Why did you let I'm me have I'm trying to help you not lose. I'm trying to make this game go longer. Why are you just hurting yourself? And then that same player ended up casting Living Death, and the dragon deck had uh, Scourge of Elkis and Ten Dragons in play, and the game ended, and he didn't realize that. Uh, so 100, 100 damage directed in chunks of 10. Go. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, that was one of the most fun games of Commander I played in a while. And it also introduced me to the card Fractured Identity, which I super like. Yeah, this is one of the more interesting, in general, just cards that they printed in this set. Fractured Identity costs three white-blue for a sorcery. Exile target non-land permanent. Each player other than its controller creates a token that's a copy of it. You can get rid of Ugans, you can get rid of... Indestructible things. You can but only if you're willing to give all the other players who gets. <laughs> so in that same game, we're fortunate few resolved and I gotta keep all my stuff. The dragon player casted Fractured Identity on the second player's Colossus of Akros. Oh. 
So everybody had 1010s. And then I stole somebody's 2020 with the vampire mind control. Oh, boy. And it was real good. Yeah. I was going to win that game super hard. And <laughs> then, until then that we all died. Death. Yeah. And we all died. Feels bad, man. It was... But yeah, this is a weird one. I really like it. Because it, it exiles something, and you're like, oh, so it's removal. But not really, because you're giving everyone else that card so it's definitely not removal it's very explicitly no you don't get to have fun we do though <laughs> it's it's really strange it's odd like i'm not sure whenever when i would ever want to cast this card because like everything that i can think of that i'd want to hit with it i don't want my opponents to have because but you get a copy though right but i don't like I hit my opponent's Zendikari Surgent. I don't want to give my other opponent Zendikari Surgent. So, Anthony, we're playing Esper, right? Sure. We've got the packed Liliana made with modes, and you tick them off. And the last one is you lose the game. You give so all you, of your... So you give all your opponents that. <laughs> it's like, all right, you guys have four turns. <laughs> Three turns to win the game. Go. And then they're all just going to target you with all of its effects. But yeah. <laughs> I like it. That's that's silly. There's a ton of cheeky things you can do with it. Yeah. Oh, this has um, possibly the best of the Kindred cycle. Uh, it's Kindred Discovery, which is the blue one. Three blue blue for an enchantment. As Kindred Discovery enters the battlefield, choose a creature type. Whenever a creature you control of the chosen type enters the battlefield or attacks, draw a card. That's a lot of cards, man. It's a very, very big amount of cards. And a lot of people don't understand this one because they were saying, Oh my god, it's so insane in the Locust God. Which, they're correct. You draw a lot of cards. In fact, you draw your entire deck and kill yourself. Yeah, it's not a May. So as soon as you draw a card, your Locust enters the battlefield and draws you another card, which makes out a Locust, and you draw your entire deck and die. I feel like that's a non-bow. It's Weird. fine, we just play Laboratory Maniac. Hope you can get that already in play at the same time you're trying to do this in and can draw a card. So I'm just going to draw until I hit it, then respond and flash it in. With uh, with what? <laughs> uh, the Christmas Land card that says, shut up, let me live this dream. Sure. <laughs> I don't claim to be good at this game, I just claim to have fun with it. <laughs> but this card is awesome. If you're doing any sort of blue, tribal, anything. This card's great. It draws a ton of cards. I mean, anytime it enters the battlefield or attacks, that's so many cards for one more mana than a Bind of Thassa. You're drawing probably, like, twice as many cards. Ridiculous. Real, 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 real good. It also notably has reprints of Crucible and Haven of the Spirit Dragon. Haven of the Spirit Dragon being the better one, but they're, like, the dragon-specific lands from Tarkir block that are really really good if you're ever wanting to play any sort of dragon tribal because they act as multicolor lands for those decks so yeah really really sweet so lastly we have the wizard deck which like we said before is grixis colored and is headed by inala archmage ritualist inala costs two and grixis for as you might expect a wizard uh and it's a four five so 5-mana 4-5 is like a pretty reasonable body. It has the Eminence ability, which is whenever another non-token wizard enters the battlefield under your control, if it's in play or in the command zone, you may pay one generic mana. 
If you do, create a token that's a copy of that wizard. It gains haste and exile it at the beginning of the next end step. I super love that ability. It's super good. It also has another ability, which is tap five untapped wizards you control. Target player loses seven life. I don't super love that ability. No, no. But you know what I super love? Getting two Snapcaster Mages? Yeah! No, the first ability is, like, awesome! I love that first ability. I think it's super interesting and fun. I really, really feel like they wasted an opportunity on that second ability, the tap five wizards to have somebody lose seven life. And that's just not... That's, like, the weirdest on Grixis color thing it could have been. Yeah. It could have been counter-target non-creature spell. It could have been all kinds of different stuff that's, like, specific to wizards. Target wizard. Yeah, uh, like, originally I was thinking, like, put a wizard from your hand into play, uh, and that seemed maybe like it was too good, but what if it was, like, I don't know, tap five untapped wizards you control, copy, target, instant, or sorcery? Yeah, like, there's a ton of stuff this could have done. That being said, like, just ignore it. Just ignore that bottom part, it's great. Yeah, I mean, it's still good, like, and you still will get use out of that ability, it still closes games and stuff, it's just... Seven life is not a laughing matter. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, boring. That last bit's boring. The rest of it's so cool. Why can't it all just be cool? Like, <laughs> it wants, it definitely wants a second ability. It wants to have a second ability. It just shouldn't have been that. Yeah, but, but, Say what can you do? Exactly. So our backup commanders for this deck are Cast Dissident Mage, which is one, and Grixis for a 3-4 flyer. Uh, and during each of your turns, you may cast an instant or sorcery from your graveyard if it card cast this way would be put into a graveyard this turn instead you exile it uh, a lot of people are actually talking about this for legacy which is ridiculous it would never never ever i yeah. see no no way one it's a four mana creature that costs three different colors of mana and it only works during your own turn so what what are you doing it's not good in combo it's a four mana creature who wants this nobody but in terms of just like a cool value value creature it's very sweet very cool I agree. It's it's just really really neat. Yeah, I don't know if I'd ever want to play it as my commander. I mean, I guess if you wanted to play like Storm. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what you want to do with it. Yeah, it's just Storm. You want to make infinite mana and play your entire deck and have everyone die. Yeah, and I guess there isn't really a whole lot more to say about Cass. It just it does its thing. Uh, there's also uh, Marisil the Pretender, which is also one and Grixis, but this time for a 4-4. And this has one of the more interesting abilities I've seen on a creature in a really long time. Uh, if you're familiar with Necrotic Ooze, it's really similar to that. When Marisil the Pretender enters the battlefield, you may exile an artifact or a creature card from your hand or graveyard and put a cage counter on it. And Marisil the Pretender has activated abilities of all cards you own in exile with cage counters on them. You may activate each of those abilities once each turn. It's real good! It's really, really good. The most interesting thing, I think, with this card was Aetherling. Oh, <laughs> because the Aetherling allows you, you to exile like the Marisol and five. keep... Yeah, you... Yeah. You exile the Marisol, it comes back into play, you choose another creature or artifact, and just keeps getting more abilities every turn. It's kind of sweet. That's I do really like funny. it. Uh, a lot of people have been looking into this card, though. Oh, yeah, you could do some goofy things with this thing. Oh, yeah, just tons of stuff, which is cool. I love that. Um, it definitely is kind of pigeonholed into like what the best cards with it can be, but you don't 
you can totally build your own unique version of this deck. You don't have to go for all the best stuff, and you can just do interesting things with it because you could just build weird combinations of abilities with her. It's interesting. You don't the have to. The best games of combo. Magic that I've ever played have not been ones where I've just cast Genesis Wave for 30 and killed everyone. They've been right. games where. I did something stupid and weird. Yeah. Like and this guy is going to cause those games to happen. Yeah. The next card I actually want to talk about is, like, borderline unfun, actually. It's so good. I don't uh, like this card because... Galecaster Colossus. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's... No. I don't like it. I'm... It has one saving grace. Non-land. Right. Uh, go ahead and uh, just, just let us know what this card is. So, this horrible abomination from the Abyss... Is Galecaster Colossus. Five blue blue creature giant wizard for a five six. Tap an untapped wizard you control, return target non land permanent you don't control to its owner's hand. It's. Uh... The other saving grace is that it can't bounce itself. Yeah. Yeah, because it's you don't control, so it can't just protect itself or so your other So it's got wizards. two things going for it, and about 17 trillion things against it. Yeah. That ability for just. Tap and untap wizard you control is way too good. Even it's even probably. if it was tap two two wizards you control, that's still probably too good. The moment this card comes into play is the moment where your game against the wizard deck became unfun. Yeah. Like every time this comes into play, that's the point at which your game is going to become significantly less fun. It's it, good. It's insanely good. There's no way I would build a wizard deck that didn't have this card in it. Everywhere. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> play this card if you're a wizard deck. How do you not play this card if you're a wizard deck? It's so good. Like, it's so I obnoxiously good. I wouldn't good. blame anyone. for. Pl I would dislike the card. I'm not going to knock them for it. It's yeah, too good. Dude, why? It's like you're playing a weird tribe. Just play the good tribe things that go with it. Uh... So that's, I mean, that's all I can really say about the card. It's it's yeah. mean. They uh, added a new Magus. Yeah, they're keeping up that tradition of adding a Magus every uh, commander set, which is awesome. This one's sweet. I really like this one. Yeah, yeah. actually, you you go ahead. And, okay. Because okay. you, you were, like, super excited about this one. I think this card is super, super cool. So we have Magus of the Mind. Four blue, blue, creature, human, wizard, four, five. Blue and tap. Sacrifice Magus of the Mind. Shuffle your library, then exile the top X cards, where X is 1 plus the number of spells you cast this turn. Until the end of turn, you may play cards exiled this way without paying their mana cost. Oh my god. Yeah, like, putting like desire Even at the guy. very worst, you just get one. Yeah. You just get one. Yep. Um, and it, it works like Storm. It counts all spells, not even just ones that you cast. It counts every spell, uh, which is sweet. Um, and... Like, only a blue to activate. And Four it, does, it doesn't exile itself. Right, you can keep reanimating it if you want. Like, there's tons of stuff. Also, I really like that they streamlined the yeah. way Minds Desire works. Because it, oh, man, that's so annoying to do. Yeah, they basically just made it so that you do what you would actually physically do if you're like playing a, a Minds Desire. Like closer to a Genesis wave. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I can tell you right now, most of the times I re resolved Mind Desire... I just do what this card says, and I just flip the top X cards yeah, because it's no the one same cares. as shuffling. No one cares. Once you've shuffled once, the order is already random. And you have no idea what it is. Yeah. I really like this one. It's super cool. One of my favorite cards of the set. Nice. One of mine is actually the next, and it's called Portal Mage. It's two and a blue for a 2-2 with flash. And when it enters the battlefield, 
during declare attackers, you may re-select which player or planeswalker target attacking creature is attacking. So its ability only triggers if it enters during declare attackers and allows you to just choose a creature. Nah, it's attacking that person now. I love that. It's so good. It's not all creatures, so it's not busted. It's nothing busted. It's just a fun, like, tricky thing. I like it a lot. I, I like agree. it a whole, whole cool, lot. Super cool. I, I love it. So a lot of the cool a lot of the cool creatures were in the wizard deck, in my opinion. Yeah, a lot of the interesting ones. Like, uh, we can totally just go down this list. There's tons of them. Yeah. Uh, Vindictive Lich, another one of my favorite cards printed. Three in black, zombie wizard. Four one. When Vindictive Lich dies, choose one or more. Each mode must target a different player. So it's completely balanced and fair. Mode one. Target opponent sacrifices a creature. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah that's, that's fine. That's fine. Mode two. Target opponent discards two cards. That's, I mean, that ain't bad. Two is... Two is Two is a lot of cards. Two is a number of cards. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Mode three. Target opponent loses five life. Yeah. I mean, five is a like pretty respectable chunk. So this is like a weird build-your-own-adventure uh, cruel ultimatum almost. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like if you took a... like You're just like, no, I don't want to hose you. Like, you and you, and you, not just him, but like all... Yeah, you get to split it up, which is neat. And you, you can choose up to different modes... So it still lets you do different things as the game gets longer and the pods become smaller. Right. I kind of skipped over this one when I first read through the set. And on like further read-throughs, more and more I started to really respect this card. It doesn't seem like a lot on the surface, but that's a ton of value if you have any way to get this back for four mana. Yeah. Like It's super easy to cast. Also, Vindictive Lich, really? Yeah. Wizards, that's the name you went with? Okay, sure. Right. That's not a plan, why, I think. Yeah, why are you being such a vindictive lich? I heard that you're going once. Yeah, it's I posted it on it's Twitter. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Yeah, no, that's fair. Next card is one that I really like a lot. It's, is it Chemister? It's two and a red for a 1-3 with haste. It's a goblin wizard. Yeah, Fantastic. goblin wizards. And it has red and tap it. Exile, target, instant, or sorcery card from your graveyard. Wow, that's so good. Uh, also, it says one in a red tap and sacrifice Is It Chemister. Cast any number of cards exiled with Is It Chemister without paying their mana costs. So the four games in which I played in total and saw the wizard deck, it's not as good as you think. At least in the base deck, because I saw maybe one person get one spell off. Yeah, I don't expect it to do anything like crazy, but it's definitely... You could build like this crazy machine that keeps untapping it and like exiles a bunch of stuff all at once and then crack it. Like it's it totally fits the flavor of is it? It feels exactly it fits what the flavor are. of what a goblin wizard would do. Exactly, it's fantastic. Uh, and for three mana, it's pretty easy to cast and it's cheap. Uh, its abilities don't cost very much mana, which is nice. It has haste, so you can start exiling stuff right away. Because honestly, if it didn't, it'd be way too slow. It's cool. Also, worth noting, once you use its second ability and cast the exiled cards, those cards are going back into your graveyard. They don't say exiled, so you get to use Because you are not casting a copy of the spells. You are casting those spells. Right. So you can get those spells back for future use. It's it's cool. I really like it a lot. The other Tygum is in this deck, which is the much worse Tygum. It's Tygum Sidisi's Hand, which is three blue-black for a 3-4. 
interesting that it costs one more but has the same stat line. This one says, skip your draw step. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. So it's a strategic planning effect. And then it says, uh, pay a black and tap it, exile X cards from your graveyard, target creature gets minus X minus X until end of turn, which is the Necropolis region, which is also from uh, Tarkir Block. Yep. So it has like other Tarkir Block callbacks on it, which is neat. I actually like this card. I think, I mean, it's good. I don't, I don't love it. I don't think I would play it as a commander. Definitely not. But solid in the 99, for sure. Yeah. If I wanted that like effect, I'd play Tomorrow. Uh, zombie's familiar. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is cool. Uh, it costs God, I forgot one Zombie had a familiar name, Tomorrow. Yeah, it's weird, right? <laughs> but the abilities are, like, they're just fine. They're fine. Yeah. Uh, I saw them do work. Yeah, the you get the card selection's nice. Putting cards into your graveyard is not a bad place to put them. Yeah, it's cool. It's got a couple legendary reprints such as Marchesa the Black Rose, Vela the Nightclad, Arcanus the Omnipotent, Azami Lady of Scrolls. Yeah, oh, I mean else? they're all like Niv, pretty good. Nin the Pain Artist, Niv Miz the Firemind. Yeah, I mean there's like just a lot of Wizards? Good reprints in this one. A lot of just good wizards. Yeah, it turns out there's just a, like, a lot of really good and wizards. And now I own a copy of Nin the Pain Artist. Yeah, that's kind of sweet, right? Yeah. I think this is yeah the first time it's been printed since yep. uh, the original Commander sets, which is cool. I really like Nin the Pain Artist. It's just a fun commander. It also has Puppeteer clicking in it, which is just awesome. I love that card. Fairies are good fairies. It's just like super, super good. This one has the Black Kindred spell which is Kindred Dominance, and it's kind of a doozy. It's real solid, for sure. Yeah, five black black for a sorcery. Choose a creature type. Destroy all creatures that aren't of the chosen type. Good in any tribal deck that's playing black. Yeah, I'm. it's basically Plague Wind. Basically a Plague Wind. Which is always good. And seven mana is a lot, but not a lot for Plague Wind, so... Yeah, not bad. Oh, relevantly, it has a reprint of Necromantic Selection. This has only ever been printed one at a time, and it was in the Commander 2015 decks, the two-color ones. No, actually, it was in the four, 14, the mono-color ones. It was in the mono-black deck. And it's really sweet. I mean, destroy all creatures and reanimate a creature that died this way. It exiles itself, because if it didn't, it would be busted with Eternal Witness effects. But this does something that I think is really important in a wrath spell, which is gives you back tempo. A lot of people don't really understand why a card like Damnation is better than a card like Decree of, Decree Pain. of Pain. And like, what does the mana matter? It's Commander. I look at all these cards I'm drawing. It totally matters because you need to be able to play a follow-up. Otherwise, you'll just lose the board again, and you'll be back in the situation where you need to wrath the board. That tempo matters. Who gets to play a thing first matters. Uh, so the cheaper something is, the better. And in this case, instead of being cheaper, it just pays you the cost of whatever you're reanimating. Yeah. Uh, can you imagine just, like, casting this and reanimating Avengers Endicar? It's yeah. insane. If you reanimate a 7-drop or higher, you paid that creature's cost and also wrath the board. Yeah, it's really, really insane. The way I usually think of it is you're paying four mana for damnation plus three mana for a reanimate spell. And that's 
really good. It's a good rate. It's a really, really good rate, actually. And even, I know it says the Exile Clause, and you can't loop it with Eternal Witness, but let's say, like, what you reanimate is Eternal Witness. You just get a card out of your graveyard. That's insane value. Wrath the Board and Regrowth on Wrath the one. Board, put a 2-1 in play, Regrowth. That's really That's good. That's like a 28 for one. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's up there. Bunch of just solid spells in here, because it's a wizard deck. Yeah. That, the deck's this... Check them out online if you haven't. They're all really solid. We're not going to go through all these cards. I think we should kind of cap this one off with our top five cards. We each made a list without consulting each other of what we thought our top five, I guess you'd say favorite cards of the set are. They're not necessarily like the most powerful ones, just the ones that we like the most or for whatever reason want to highlight. So they're not in actually any particular order. Just doing a quick comparison here, it looks like we actually have two of the same card on this list. Uh, so let's just start with those. Uh, I, n- n- number one. I think no. this is not at all a surprise. <laughs> uh, Teferi's Protection. It's uh, The card's insane. That's literally the first thing that I wrote down. That is also the first thing I wrote yeah, down. Yeah, the card's ridiculous. How is it not the first thing you write down? Yeah, it's just, it's the flashiest card in the set, and it's like clearly good. We've both seen it in action already, and it's been crazy. Like, it is as good as it seems. As far as we can tell, it's as good as it seems. What was the number two, Anthony? Path of Ancestry, which we didn't talk about yet, but it is the new land that they printed in this set, and it is... It's kind of an interesting one. It comes into play tapped, and it taps for a mana of any color in your commander's color identity, so it's kind of like a command tower, except if you use that mana to cast a creature spell that shares a type with your commander's creature type, you also get to scry one. Which is, like, not irrelevant. The idea is that that ability is good in tribal decks, and it is. But the fixing on that card in any deck that is three or more colors is actually just kind of awesome. It's a tri-land minimum if you're playing three colors. It's a tri-land. If you're playing four colors, it's a quad-land. Five colors, it's a five-color land that can make mana of any color with no downside. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. At worst, you play it in a two-color deck. That's only kind of on tribal. Yeah, it just I mean, like, coincidentally like, has a bunch of stuff. Yeah, once you're you in a, still just get to scry one every time you cast your commander. Yeah, I, and I think like being able to scry one every time you cast your commander is just a pretty nice upside. It is still like in two color decks. It's like a guild gate, which isn't amazing. But if you compare that to let's say a scry land, which you get that effect once, you instead of getting it immediately when you use it you, for your commander, you get the scry effect. So it's effectively a scry land. Yeah. But that there's gets the, better. Yeah, potentially time. you could get multiple scries out of it, which is sweet. I do think this card is actually quite good. And the reason I put it in my top five is I just think it is going to show up a lot. I think a ton of people are going to start playing this card. And it's not, like, amazing. It's not flashy. But it's just solid. It's so solid. Lands are not flashy, but lands let you play the game. Right. I feel like this is... The way I feel about this card is the same way I felt about Ash Barons from the last Commander set. We talked about it a bunch of times because it's not a flashy card. It is just a land that... It's just very, very good. Yeah, it just does what it does. And it does it efficiently and well. And with lands, that's all you can ask for. So I think it's worth highlighting that card. I agree completely. So do you want to go first or should I? Sure, I'll go first. So up first, we have Bloodsworn Steward, and I really, really like this one. Bloodsworn Steward is from the Vampire deck, and it's two red red for a 4-4 flying vampire, and it says that 
commander creatures you control have plus two, plus two, and haste. So it's a 4-4 four, four, flyer for four. Good stats. Plus two, plus two, and haste to your commander is... No, to commander creatures you control. Right. So if you steal someone's commander... And even better yet, if you're playing partners, yep. then you have two commanders that you can, at any time, play and give haste and plus two, plus two. Like, that's a big buff... Not in terms of raw stats and in the haste buff, like that's awesome. Especially with a lot of the partners care about attacking. Bruce Tarl comes to mind specifically in red, so it's great in any text. Bruce Tarl. Yeah. Because you like you play your first commander, then you play the Bruce Tarl, give a double strike and lifelink, and you get to just attack with both. Trigger Bruce Tarl again, give another thing, double strike and lifelink. Yeah. That's awesome. That's so so. It's a lot of value. Oh yeah, it's crazy. So I just really like that one. Uh, what's what's your first one? Uh, I had Vengeful at Lich. Nice. The yeah. full one with modal. I think it's it's a it's a solid value card. It's a little flashy. I like it a lot. It, I I see the potential of it wrecking games and doing a lot of work. Yeah, I feel like. I guess I also won't it's know. a four one. Yeah, which is a weird stat line, but no, it makes it, a lot it, of sense. It makes a lot of sense. It's it incentivizes you to attack with it. Because it's a 4-1. And you don't care if it dies. Yeah. Because it it triggers if it dies. So you, you just start you getting do in a there. thing. I, I feel like I won't know exactly how good it is until I see it in play and somebody really go off with it. But I feel like it's this innocuous card that people are going to figure out is insane in any deck that can reanimate it. Oh, yeah. It's really, really good. I think the thing that I want to try out most with it right now is like with a sack outlet and coffin queen. Um just because it allows you to reanimate it once every single turn and keep sacking it, which is great. I, I agree. I, I do really like that card. I, yeah. I can see why you would want to put it on the list. Yeah, it's uh, I haven't heard many people talking about it. I wanted to bring attention to it. Yeah, cause I, and like I said before, like when I first read through the spoiler, I didn't even pay much attention to that card at all. I was like, oh, neat, moved on. It took like multiple reads to like really start thinking about that card. I think I think you're onto something there. The next one for me is Portal Mage, which is the creature that we talked about earlier that redirects an attacking creature to another player or planeswalker. Uh, I don't think this card is like amazing. I just love the effect. I, I think it's so cool. I think it's really neat. I love cards like this, and they've actually printed a lot of them in past commander sets for blue. And for whatever reason, they don't get played, I think, as often as they should. I think one of them being uh, Domineering Will. Which, if you don't know what that card does, I don't blame you because nobody plays it. It's three and a blue for an instant. You untap up to three target creatures you don't control and gain control of them. And they also have to be non-attacking. They block this turn of Fable. And it's an instant. And that's it. That's all it does. Yeah, it's so really cool. It's super good. It's usually like a four for one. and Occasionally it's just a reins of power. Yeah. Um, it doesn't give them haste. No, but... Which is the interesting thing. So you don't get to, like, take somebody's stuff and attack with it. But I love that. Because I don't... That's the part about Reigns of Power that I kind of don't like. I don't feel like they should give them haste. It's not in, like... That's not in loose flavor. Yeah. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But Domineering Will is almost like... What... If they had made Reigns of Power now, what that would look like. Oh, and yeah. I love that card. And Portal Mage is in that same vein of... It's not, like, insane... But when it's good, it's so, so good. And it's this, like, cool, tricky thing where you get to just, like, play it and say, gotcha! And it, it really expands that feeling in blue outside of just counterspells. Yeah. Because that's what a lot of people 
like about playing blue is like they feel like they're getting their opponent with counter spells and yeah. stuff. Which is why a lot of people don't like blue. Right, and this is how you can put that feeling into blue without just pigeonholing it into counter spells. So that's part of why I really like Portal Mage. I, I just love those types of cards. I have a feeling I'm going to play a bunch of it. I love this card. My next one is Nizan and the Hammer. I'm counting it as one because they're so intrinsically tied to one another. And they're so good with each other. Yeah, it is a package deal. I don't care. Like, <laughs> it is one card. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, I, I give it to you. We already talked about it. I just really think the card has a lot of. I think the cards have a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, it's a repeatable Stoneforge Mystic. Awesome. Like that already. Like it could have no other lines of text. It's gross. That uh, when it specifically gets its hammer, it puts it directly into play. Amazing, considering what the hammer does. The hammer itself is just really, really, really good. Its abilities are ridiculous. Free equips for yeah. all your equipment. What the hell? And I also like the last line of text that Nazan has, because I think it's neat. It, okay, so the reason I like that line of text more so than I think a lot of people do, Nazan wants you to build him as a Voltron. He says, put swords on me. But I like that he incentivizes a plan of going wide and yeah. having other equipment, because then you have this army of dudes with different weapons. Right, and then you're tapping things down and doing what, getting in for damage, killing planeswalkers, whatever. Yeah, it's cool to see that on an equipment commander because there have been like a bunch of equipment commanders, and they all want you to Voltron. So it's like any time an equipment thing is like you should like probably oh, just Voltron, Voltron him, but like you but can I, definitely go wide with. I him. think you actually get better utility out of him doing the go wide thing because that ability is way better than people think i like, killed someone with that ability. just tapping creatures is awesome when things attack so let's say you have three creatures with three equipment each have one you attack someone you tap down three of their blockers yeah like you get to tap down their best and blockers. even if you don't kill them that sets up the table to kill them right because those unless their turn is next those things are still tapped it's really really good it allows you to force bad blocks for your opponent and what I really like about Nizan is that because he incentivizes that go-wide plan, he actually allows you to play a lot of the equipment support that they printed in Battle for Zendikar. Yeah. Specifically with a Stonehaven Outfitter, yeah. I think is the name of the card, which I really like that card specifically. Um, it's one and a white for a 2-2. Equipped creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever an equipped creature you control dies, draw a card. It's, Which, in Voltron, is not that good. It's basically just a plus one, plus one buff, and when your thing dies, you draw one single card. But when you're going wide, it's a huge buff. I think it's sweet. Uh, I think that this commander being one that incentivizes that and allows you to play all those cards realistically is is awesome. Yeah. And I, you I just really go like insane value when the hammers apply. Oh, God. You just ignore equip costs. That hammer is ridiculous. So good. So good. This is... It's ridiculous. I keep saying that word, but I can't stop. My next one is actually from the same deck, and it's the other alternate commander from the deck, and it's Miri, Weatherlight Duelist. And I said a lot about it before, and I'm just going to kind of repeat myself here, but I think Miri is the best mirror breaker in a green and white mirror printed in a long time, basically since Crater Hoof Behemoth. And it's like the anti-Crater Hoof. It is the trump to a Crater Hoof Behemoth. Because as long as the Miri is tapped, Crater Hoof basically doesn't do anything. Unless they have an already such ridiculous board state that you couldn't do anything about it. But Miri like, ends the game so quickly that they don't have time 
to get to that. The only thing that is keeping this card back is that it's multicolor. And if I were to actually rank these, this would like be my number five solely based on its multicolor like nature. Otherwise, I would put it in the same caliber as Teferi's Protection. It's that good. Uh, it definitely has the same potential. It's so aggressive and so unfair in multiple ways. I think this card's ridiculous. It's just busted. So, my last card is Magus of the Mind. A lot of cards in the wizard deck. Just really liked them. Thought they were doing good stuff. Yeah, I already talked about Magus of the Mind. It's good, man. So much value. It's just good. And, yeah, I love any Magus. I love the Magus stuff. They're doing such a good job with that. I can see why you'd pick it. It's really awesome. It's, it's, It's cool. It's cool. So, all in all, to kind of wrap this whole thing up with Commander 17, I want to be totally honest here and say that this is the least excited I've ever been for a Commander set. And part of that is because I I don't love Tribal. Personally, I'm not a huge Tribal fan. I don't build Tribal decks, really, and it doesn't excite me. And a lot of the cards in it are specifically for Tribal decks. Uh, the Kindred cycle comes to mind as being like some of the most powerful things that they printed and they're all just for tribal decks like only so i feel like sort of boxed out of this one but also i don't know it just doesn't have the same important thing in it that all the other ones have had like commander 2015 had the experience counter thing which is this brand new mechanic that was super exciting and changed the way that a game would play out. Uh, Commander 16 introduced four-color commanders and, more importantly, partners as a mechanic, which was, like, a huge deal. This doesn't have anything like that. It, it doesn't have anything that changes the game. It, it clarified a worded, an unworded keyword. Right. It added eminence, but that was already a thing in yeah. Aloro. Which is cool, don't get me wrong, I like it, I... I'm excited to see more of it. Yeah, because I'm sure it'll come up again. Right, because it's it's a it's a good design space. Yeah, it's a hard to balance design space, but it's a good one nonetheless. Right. Um, I just and the what, was it, fourteen or thirteen that had the planeswalkers. Fourteen had the planeswalkers. Fourteen had planeswalkers. Thirteen was the first time they did command zone matters. Yes. And it's, then and then it was the first one, which was which was novel in itself. Yeah. So, like, up until this point, every Commander set has had something totally novel that changed the way that Commander was played from then on. Yeah. This doesn't have anything like this that. This has a novelty, but it doesn't change how the game was played. The novelty is tribal. Right, but they're novel in the sense of, but it doesn't, like... But it doesn't change new. how the game could play. Right. It's just... St- I still think it's a good Commander set. Sure. Like, it's it's got cards in it that are good. We talked about a bunch of them. We like clearly there's a bunch of really good things in this set. It's just not exciting in the same way to me as the other ones have been. We're not yelling hype things about like we're right. like, these are good cards. They are definitely good cards. Teferi's protection's like crazy. It absolutely. But it's just like as a set, not exciting. So, Getting off that sour note. <laughs> <laughs> so I built and played Ben Ben a bunch. Yeah. And had an absolute blast playing it. It really turned out. I played against it a bunch. It really turned out. Yeah. Um, the first game I 
played with it actually almost got there. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Had you on the ropes for a hot second there. Yeah, funnily enough, I was in the game, the very first game that he played with it, we randomly got seated together. Um, and it when it goes off, it's really good. You had, like, the Microsynth last stuff going? Oh, my God. It was really cool. And through playing, I discovered... Um, you're always doing proactive things with the deck. You're always doing something, even if it's just drawing and playing a land and keeping Ben Ben up. You're doing something to interact with the game in some way, which is really cool, and I like that. Uh, the problem is, Mycloth Synth Lattice inherently lets you do some really dumb and mean things. Yeah. And there were points in that first game where I could have absolutely completely locked it down and won no questions asked. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. I could have just, I could have cast Scrap Mastery. Yeah. With Michael Austin Flattis in play. Yeah. And gotten out, a Bosch and something else. Yeah. And like a couple other things. Turns out, uh, Mike Synthlatis doesn't affect the cards in your graveyard, so when you cast Scrap Mastery, it wipes all the permanents and then just reanimates whatever artifacts, like actual artifacts you had in your graveyard, which you had some, I like didn't i think i had maybe one yeah uh so yeah i would have been totally ruined by it also just like vandal blast like i could have vandal like there were so many things that i could have done that i had in my hand right and just didn't want to do it so part of playing the deck was learning okay i have to be a little like when, when the when the time comes to win we have to do that right because that's the best way for you to turn the corner. Yes. And just, like, win. There were a couple problems with the deck. I noticed a couple problems with the card draw, so I put in a Mind's Eye. Well, I'm going to put in a Mind's Eye as soon as I can get one, because the local store's out. Yeah. And um, Ben Ben's a little... He's an old goblin in the in the mountains, man. Like, he's a 1-1. One, one. Yeah, he's real fragile. <laughs> like, people were just, like, pinging him with staff, and it felt bad. Right. So, I... I'm gonna put the hammer in. Yeah, that seems like a great addition. Like the hammer just, just goes on in play attached to him. Yeah, makes him a three-one. That you know, uh, I'm probably also gonna put the new uh, the four-drop commander lord guy in. Oh, the one that gives haste. Yeah, yeah the blood haste steward. And, a, and an anthem. Yeah, give him plus two plus two will make him survive the staffing and stuff. And then yeah. give him haste is just great because he yeah. has a tap ability. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed the deck overall. It was. A, total blast just to like see it all come together and to play it yeah i'm really really happy that that one worked out i i really wanted it to like come together but i was kind of skeptical i'm glad it really yeah. ended up being like cool and working yeah and it and even without the ben ben stuff it's still just a solid artifact deck yeah it still just works when you're not doing your ben ben things it's just really fun when you do the ben ben things yeah like i don't know if i told you Someone attacked somebody, killed them. This was in a fun, for Fonzie's game. And I had Thornbite Staff on Ben Ben, and I deleted all of his creatures. Nice. Like, all right, you killed him? Okay. All right, thank you. End of, uh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> End of combat step. Pew, 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 pew. Destroy all your creatures. <laughs> yeah. That's really good. It's... He, he does have a fatal flaw, though. Um, if you're not playing against that doesn't win inside of combat... 
he himself doesn't do anything. Right. <laughs> Which is why we have Stratocyte in the deck, because I did did get there with that. Nice. Yeah, when when he's not doing anything really important, you just fall back on your uh, mono-red artifact deck that can just kill up people out of nowhere with yeah. Hellkite Igniter. Yeah. I actually had... So I played it against a couple different people, and they had said it wasn't what they expected, and... I showed them deck, and I, I told them, like, I'm going to play Mike Lawson Lattice in the deck, not doing anything busted with it, but it's there. Yeah. Anymore. Because, like, in those kinds of decks, I do want to let people know, like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> like, because I, I don't want people to have a bad time. Right. Because it, it potentially can make someone have a really bad time. You're right. But, uh, yeah, the people who I played against said they enjoyed it, they... We're surprised that it worked. <laughs> I was surprised that it worked. Yeah, I think everybody's like pretty surprised that that actually worked. It was worked. really cool. But I'm super. And I had it. somebody say that he did have a monorail artifact deck that he didn't like playing because like the commander was so tied to it. It was soul bad. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so. He had a pretty tied. slow bad deck. Yeah, he had a pretty slow and bad deck. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, made that joke. Yeah. Too. Slow bad. We'll always have that joke tied on. Yeah, it's fantastic. So he said, he's like, I really like what you're doing with this. I think I want to change mine up to be a little more in line with it because it was cool. It was interesting. It was different. And it made me feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. I don't know. That's good, I, I liked it, man. It was really cool. No, that's cool. I'm I give glad. it a solid B plus or A minus out of 10. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, with that, let's, uh, let's get into the pitch. I believe it is my turn. It is, in fact. So, I actually had a lot of trouble coming up with an idea for the pitch this week. Uh, I've been feeling just a little bit uninspired as a deck builder recently. For Commander, I feel like I've kind of just kind of done most everything. And I know I just talked about how I don't really like Tribal, but I think this one is just enough outside of the norm that there's enough like room to play around with it. And they just printed all this Tribal support. So it's a good time to build it. It's actually Unesh, Cryosphinx Sovereign, Sphinx Tribal. And then it also will have like a Flickermancer theme. Uh, so you're going to just keep bouncing your Unesh and your other Sphinxes to keep factor fictioning. Uh, and then you can also build in some other cool effects with, with Flicker. I, I think that's that would be a lot of fun to play. Oh yeah, I think that... You could definitely do a lot of cool stuff with that. Yeah, so like I said before, uh, Flickermancer, off the bat, that's that's got to be in there. So Archaeomancer, so Mnemonic so, Wall, go, go Ghost so Flicker, Flicker. is two things, correct? Yeah, uh, up to two target creatures, lands, or artifacts. Okay, cool. So Staff of Nin. Staff of Nin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really expensive ping. <laughs> It's like three mana to ping something. Yeah. <laughs> First one's free. I'm thinking like so. So we 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 jam a bunch of the good sphinxes in. Yeah, you're gonna have to play like a lot of Do basically every good sphinx you have to play. Yeah. So sphinx of a thune, which is awesome because it's gonna yep. flip over nine cards, which you get to yeah because the five from itself and four from the Inesh. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I actually want to play uh, all of the like factor fiction effects, including the face up, face down one. I think it's from uh, Shadows Block, which is so cool. But like the whole idea of that card and of uh, Unesh actually and Sphinxes is that Sphinxes give riddles, 
So the riddle is how do you split the piles, and then you determine based on their answer what Five you zero. do. Hell yeah. <laughs> That, I mean, that's what it—that's what you should do, right? Yeah. If you're playing against me, everybody uh, always five zero. Always five zero. And if I don't do it for you, uh, just I'm bad. I'm bad. Yeah. Why, why wouldn't you? But you should five? definitely keep five zeroing for me. Um, <laughs> uh, also, this puts cards in your graveyard, so that makes me want to do some stuff with with graveyard, and so it's like, kind of difficult with. Mono so like blue? delve or flashback or both like we could yeah like yeah logic knot is a good card yeah logic knot seems really good uh so also treasure cruise and dig through time i don't think i want to play the extra turn spell it's just a lot yeah. of mana it's probably not that great it's not uh not for that much you have to delve so much also like it would be cool to play like a rune chanter's pike yeah you i could, think that'd be sweet you're already you playing mono blue yeah like do it. Yeah. You're already playing the mono blue, so you're so playing like, a bunch of instances of sorceries. So we're not playing any of the typical card draw spells because everything is tied to our creatures. Yes. So what are our other slots? Do we want to, like, uh, do anything weird? Do we want any enchantments that we can do? I mean, frankly, we're playing Sphinx Tribal. We're already pretty weird. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the nature of this segment. Right. Um, I think that... Most of your other slots are probably going to be dedicated to, like, the tribal support stuff that they just printed. So a lot of, like, um, you're probably going to want to play the Kindred Discovery card, though it might not be good here just because your commander already draws cards. I think it's redundant and kind of unneeded. Yeah. Uh, you are, however, definitely going to want to play the cost reduction spell that they put in, the artifact. It's horn, like that yeah, horn of something. Horn of whatever. Uh, and in the same vein, you're going to want Urza's Incubator to reduce costs. Yeah. Because while your commander does reduce the cost of Sphinxes, he himself costs six mana. So it's kind of a lot to get to. So because we're playing like six drops and we are in mono blue, like what, 40 lands? Like 40... I think that's probably correct. That's why, that's why I'm running in Ben Ben and Corlash. And those yeah. Are, those are decks that care about lands. Yeah, and you don't really have to worry about flooding so much because you're seeing so many cards with the ability of Unesh and your other Sphinxes. So then you want to go maybe like 38 because we are going to be seeing so many cards? No, I think that's a good reason to run 40 because you still need to be able to hit those land drops. But once you get a bunch of land already in play, you're going to be skipping over a bunch of lands because people are going to be factor fictioning for you a bunch so you're going to be able to just take the piles that you want you're not going to get flooded that same way you're still going to get a good number of cards like actual spells without reducing the number of lands in your deck so i actually like playing a high land count there because you do you need to be able to get the six reliably and i don't want to play a lot of artifact ramp if any but still probably like burnished heart and maybe like maybe maybe those two and even then, I think about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that I want to play really any ramp. Um, I'd really like to play just some, like, I guess I'd call them really tricky spells, uh, which I talked on earlier in the vein of, like, Portal Mage. Like, I want to play Portal Mage in this deck. I want to play that card so bad. It's great with Flickermancer, um, but... Also, the cards like Domineering Will, 
uh, Illusionist Gambit, because those feel really in flavor for what a Sphinx would be doing. They're just, like, tricking you and, like, presenting you with, like, what are you going to... What's your answer to what I'm doing? Oh, oops, no, you're wrong. So... How many cards with the name Pyramid can we put in this deck? Uh, I don't want to go that deep on flavor. <laughs> no, I think, yeah. I think that, that sounds pretty fun. So there's a lot. I'm thinking on it now. There's actually a ton of, like, just good Sphinxes. Yeah, Sphinx of the Thune, obviously, being, like, the poster Probably. child. But or, like... Sphinx of Magosi? No. What's uh, the inside? Literally Consecrated the, Sphinx. Yes. Sphinx and Magosi literally being the progenitor of the what's the downside joke. Yeah. Uh, I just... I like... Yeah. I like it. I like Sphinxes. There's but a, a the ton of really cool ones. Like... Yeah, the new land is obviously good when you're playing tribal. There's a lot of really cheap Sphinxes, actually, that you can play uh, that become even cheaper with his cost reduction. So, like, um, Conundrum Sphinx, which... Is not super easy to trigger, but it's easier when you're using that new land, which scries one. It suddenly becomes a two mana four four flyer, that also triggers a factor fiction when you play it, which is like a ton of value. Um, Guardian of Tazim is really sweet. I actually really really like that one. It doesn't seem like it would be that good, but considering you're probably playing almost all islands, just like frost breathing a creature every time you play land is awesome, and it works with Flickermancer because you flicker. Or lands with it. Yeah. You just three mana frost breath a creature. That seems really repeatable. Solid. It actually costs two because the land you're flickering comes back in untapped. So it's actually two mana frost breath a creature as many times as you How want. reactive do we want to be? Uh, I mean, you only need to be reactive in the first uh, parts of the game. The rest of it is just more. It's when, Once you start getting stuff in play, it's going to be more of a tempo okay. style deck. So do we want to play maybe like a defense grid? I don't think you need to really worry about, like, people casting spells on your turn. And it's going to make it harder for you to interact on their turn which with is your why, Which spells. is why I was asking. Well, yeah, but it's not that necessarily you're doing things that are reactive. It's that you're casting spells on their turn that keep you ahead in tempo. You're not, like, worried too much about countering stuff as much as you are just, like, trying to redirect stuff away from you. Which you need to be able to cast stuff on their turn to do as effectively, uh, especially for blue. Like a lot of your power is playing on other people's turns, so I don't think like a card like Defense Grid would really help us okay. a ton. Okay. I think maybe like cards like Washout would be really good. Oh, you know, oh, Factor Fiction doesn't count on this drawing. Never mind. It's not. I was gonna say Diviner's Wand. Oh yeah. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Get ya. Here it comes. Uh, this one, I feel like there isn't as much development that needs to go into it because it is tribal. And again, this is part of why I don't like tribal decks is that there's a certain amount of good creatures that you are just like kind of obligated to play because it's a tribal deck and you want to play the good things in your tribe. So like a lot of the deck is already basically pre-built and the form of these sphinxes, I think where the uniqueness of this one comes in is in the Flickermancer package and in the, like, Rune Chanter's Pike stuff. Do we want to just play the guy who I think should be banned? Dead Eye Navigator? Yeah. And let me clarify that. He... Okay, the reason I want him banned is because he causes problems. The cards he's paired with are fine on typically one or two activations. He's, yes, I understand he's easy enough to deal with you time incorrectly. I don't care about that. People are stupid and don't play enough spot removal. 
Right, but I think that players not being smart is a cause for banning. No, it's just... I, I think that I that never being get said, I'm, He's kind of dropped off of popularity. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why. Like, if you consider... If Proffer of Crufix were not currently banned, you would see the same amount of Proffer of Crufix now as you did back then. Yeah. That card's popularity would not have dropped off. Dada Navigator did, and there's got to be a reason why. It's not because that card stopped being good. It's still great. Yeah. It's because it's not as busted as people think, I think. It's, I, it's I, good. I, it's totally fine. It's just... Yeah. I, I think it's... Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Tangent over... Uh, probably and, should in this play. Deck, yeah, maybe. Uh, it's six mana, which is a lot. Um, unlike our other big spells, it doesn't get reduced by our commander. Um, basically, his entire function would be to draw more cards which is a fine thing to do. Um, and it pairs well with the Archaeomancer stuff. So yeah, I mean, it would definitely be something to consider. It's definitely, definitely an option. Do we want to play like maybe like a Tamiyo? Uh, like uh, the original Tamiyo? Yeah. yeah, maybe. It is a good tempo card. It's, it loses a lot in multiplayer of like its effectiveness in terms of tempo stuff. So that would be like a knock against it, but it is good. Uh, I feel like the card draw is also a little less relevant because of it, it is less relevant, is. but uh, it's still just a solid card. And yeah, like, it's just like pretty good. I maybe like, um, and it's also kind of in theme. Uh, Jace Architect of Thought. <laughs> he factor so, fiction. So we're no longer we're no longer Sphinx Tribal. We're Factor Fiction Tribal. I mean, sort of. I already said I wanted to put all the factor fictions in. Um, but he's in theme with that, and he, like, protects you really, really well, actually. Uh, he's a really good way to keep up tempo. Yeah. I like him a lot, actually. <coughs> so, yeah, maybe Jace Architect of Thought, like, that's an option. There's definitely, like, the thing about this is that the rest of the deck is going to be filled with like, there's a million different cards that could go into those slots of just like pretty generically good blue cards that kind of fit the theme, because it's just a really blue thing to do. Uh, but I think there is there is something there. I feel like you could. I feel like this would be an something. entertaining deck to play. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, think yeah. That's what I really like. Like, it's not that we're doing something crazy or new. It's just, well, yeah, that's part of it. But I want to theme up a deck that's going to be fun. Yeah. And part of what I like about this is what I liked about Ben Ben. It's just this commander that people write off. Like, when this got spoiled, I don't think anybody... Like, people were like, oh my god, Sphinx Tribal! And then, like, immediately that... No one that built I, it. Nobody built it. People just didn't, like... Didn't care. And I feel like it warrants at least a little bit more than that. It, it's definitely, there's something there, and I like exploring that. Ben Ben let's, looks so innocuous. Let's unravel the puzzle of the Sphinxes. Oh. Um, uh, use your Millennium Eye. Okay. That is a different card game, sir. How <laughs> I will thank you However relevant to it keep is. it out of my magic podcast. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think that pretty much wraps up that 
segment. And I, I, I kind of like where it's headed. I think it's kind of a, got a cool theme going on there. It's not like it's strictly theme as the other ones that we've done, but uh, I think that as tribal, it can't really afford to do that anyways. Like, you, you can't just, like, choose something and say, oh, and it's also tribal because it takes up so much of the deck. So, I mean, there isn't as much room for stuff in it, but I do think it is... It's pretty cool. I think it's a solid game plan. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. So with that, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Commander's Sphere. As always, you can email us at commandersphere at gmail.com. Remember, that does have two S's, Commander's Sphere. On Twitter, I am at FunGroveElder. And I am at RVM Speedwagon. And of course, you can follow us collectively on Twitter at CMDRSphere. Thank you all again for listening. We know that this is coming out. It's not super often, but we're, we're trying and uh, we're going to keep doing our best to get you the best content that we can. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.